gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, don't be afraid to step right up, be enchanted, blown away, but above all, be amused. The following acts will unveil the world's many faces, faces with or without a smile, faces of sadness with stubborn frowns, filled with malice, mischief, bile, the fools, the jokers and the clowns, release the monsters and the man upon a world so woe begun, we say you time and time again, the freak show of life is always on, let us begin. Nice to see you again. Are you ready to pick up where we left off last week? If you're new here, I suggest listening to part one before this episode or not. I'm not going to tell you what to do. This is season one, side B, episode 12. And as always, I'm your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, Anthony Rossetti. This is part two of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Last week, I told you the tales of P.T. Barnum, Joyce Heth, Eco and Ico, and the Bearded Lady. But this week, things are about to get darker. For those of you who are fans of American Horror Story Freak Show, you might be familiar with a town called Jupiter, Florida. Now, although the real Jupiter, Florida has no real ties to the circus, there is another town that is the setting of our next story. We're taking a trip to Gibsonton, Florida, right after this. Hey there, it's your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, Anthony Rossetti, and I just want to have a quick heart-to-heart with you. Now, you've probably been wanting to start your own podcast, but can't seem to get the ball rolling or you just don't know where to start. And trust me, I get it. There are a lot of options out there. It's almost overload. But today I'm going to tell you about the easiest way, and that is to download the Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to start your own podcast stress-free. No complicated software or membership fees. It's all free. And they'll even distribute it for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start earning money right now with no minimum listenership. Download the Anchor app to get started today. Now, let's get back to the show. Let's start our story tonight in the 30s. The 30s were a difficult time in American history. Well, let me rephrase that. It was a difficult time for world history in general. I mean, from the rise of the Nazis to the fall of Wall Street, Jim Crow laws. Yeah, not going to sugarcoat it. It was a lot of bad shit going on. But one group of people would use this time to earn more money than they could imagine. Since no TVs were around and tensions were high across the country, people needed a way to unwind. What better way than to see a freak show? The circus experienced a major boom during this time. Some acts were making around $5,000 a week with today's inflation. One of the most popular acts would be the Lobster Family. Now I want to warn you, this story I'm about to tell you is going to get very very confusing because for whatever reason in this family every male is named Grady why you ask good question I have no idea 
The family I'm talking about is known as the Lobster Family. The Styles family has been afflicted for over a century with ectrodactyly, a condition commonly known as lobster claws. It is a rare congenital deformity of the hand where the middle digit is missing and the hand is cleft where the metacarpal of the finger should be. The split often gives the hands the appearance of lobster claws, although cases range in severity. Often this condition occurs in both the hands and the feet, and while it is an inherited condition, it can skip a generation. In 1937, the main character of our story today would be born. His name, Gary Stiles. Sticking to the family tradition, Grady would be born with lobster claw syndrome. But Grady's condition was severe and he was unable to walk. He learned to use his hands and arms and as a result, developed incredible upper body strength. At the age of seven, Grady's dad, also named Grady Styles, would pull his son out of school and push him into the circus so they could be a family act. Now this is how Grady would grow up. He became a very popular act on the scene. He taught himself to do everything, including playing baseball, ride, and some even said he was faster on his hands than most people were on their feet. But it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Let's talk about Grady. Grady was subjected to being put on display like an animal at a zoo. He was part of a 1 in 10 circus act for a time. What that means is you could go into the small tent and see them the way you see animals now. Some people weren't really that kind and would look at them in disgust and say horrible things. This would, of course, plant some seeds of resentment for anyone. But Grady also had a very bad temper before this. He might have been hit with some of the crowds, but he was not well liked by the other acts. According to Grady's own son, he was abusive to other people, often attacking them and choking them with his claw-like hands. He was also a very vocal racist and misogynist, so yeah, sounds like a real winner. While working the carnival circuit, Lobster Boy met a young woman named Mary Teresa. Though she did not suffer from any mutations, she ran away to join the carnival at 19 and fell in love with Grady. The two married, moved to Gibsonton, Florida, and had several children together, two of which inherited Grady's Lobster Claw Syndrome. For a while, they toured as the lobster family as well, but life turned ugly when Grady began drinking. Because, of course, someone with that type of personality would want to amplify it with alcohol. He also famously smoked 60 Paul Mall cigarettes a day. Don't understand what that was about, but, you know, you do you. Mary would soon get tired of her husband's abusive actions towards her and found solace in another act, known as the Midget Man. She would then leave Grady for him. Mary would be judged a lot for this, but people didn't seem to understand just how bad she was being abused. Lobster Boy would choke her out with his hands on a day-to-day -day basis. Sometimes he would even headbutt her. Most of this would happen when he was drinking and he did that every day, so you can imagine the horror she went through. 
One night, he got mad that Mary did not want to have any more children with her, so he threw her on the ground and yanked out her IUD with his claws. Because he was so angry, his abuse did not stop at Mary. He also abused his own children. He would take them by the neck and throw them when he didn't think they were moving fast enough for him. Grady would soon meet another woman named Barbara and moved back to his hometown of Pittsburgh and had a third child in 1976 known as Grady III, who also had this mutation. Grady had custody of all of his children because Mary couldn't read. She had no idea she was even supposed to go to court. One night, she called Grady and told him she wanted to see her children, and he said, of course, to come visit. Mary and her new husband traveled to Pittsburgh to meet him, and he insisted that they met at a bar first. Grady got drunk and took them back to his house. When they got there, Grady and another man pulled a gun on them and said to leave him alone or he would shoot them. So, of course, they left him alone. When his oldest daughter Donna fell in love and became engaged with a young man in 1978, Grady didn't approve of her choice. Perhaps the young man stuck up for Donna. Perhaps he confronted Grady. We may never know, but the night before the pair was to be married, things would take a turn for the worst. Grady said he lost his wheelchair and needed them to look for it. He told Donna and the rest of the family to go, go look for it. He then told Jack, Donna's fiancé, to stay behind with him and they would have a talk. Grady picked up a shotgun and murdered the young groom in cold blood. When Donna came back in, she was met with an image she'll never forget. Her father standing over his body, smiling at her. The trial was a media circus. In court, Grady openly confessed to his crime and showed little to no remorse. However, he did not serve any time for the murder. He used his condition to his advantage. It was stated that since the prison system was not equipped to deal with his disability, confining him to such an institution would be cruel and unusual punishment. Grady was let off on a 15 years probation. Following these events, Grady felt invincible when he resumed beating his family, one of his favorite pastimes apparently, and one of his favorite taunts was, I killed before and I got away with it. I can do it again. Amazingly, during the time, Styles left Barber and remarried his first wife, Mary. She left her new husband, a sideshow dwarf, to remarry Grady and almost instantly regretted the choice. She thought because he had stopped drinking, they could work it out. She was very wrong. At this point, he would move back to Florida and open his own mini circus. But after three years of putting up with his abuse, Mary would snap. In 1992, she paid her friend and neighbor, Chris Wyant, $1,500 to kill her husband. Wyant committed the murder, shooting Grady in the head while he watched television in his Florida home. Like Grady Styles, Wyant went to court for the murder and was found guilty. But unlike Grady, Wyant was sentenced to 27 years in prison for the murder. Mary also stood trial and received a sentence of 12 years for manslaughter, 
A lot of people felt bad for Mary because they knew she had been abused. But the court system decided that she had to pay as well. And the Lobster Boy? In death, his reviews have been mixed. Some in the carnival community confirmed that he was an ill-tempered man and go so far as to compare him to Satan. Others revere him as a smart businessman who went from appearing in sideshows to owning them. Most people contend that Mary should simply have walked away. Perhaps the final verdict lies with his children. Several of them admit that shedding a tear for their father would be a waste of a good tear. Ouch. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. Next week will be our last installment in the Cabinet of Curiosities. Time to go across the pond. Hmm. Also want to say thanks for voting for us in the Paranormality Top 25. We debuted at number 13. If you want to vote for us this coming up April, the link is in the show notes. If you want to help the show grow, you can always recommend us to a friend that you think might be interested. Or you can leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And as always, stay safe, stay sane, and please don't hire any hitmen.